Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Kia ora everyone. Welcome back to your bona fide favourite pop culture podcast. And this week, as per usual, we're joined with London Laura, a.k.a. Shit You Should Cook About, a.k.a. I don't know, a character in the universe. Laura, how the hell are you? Stanley, Stanley Tucci is number one fan. Stanley Tucci is number one fan and Stanley Tucci lights number one girl. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And you agreed. I've That's got, the one. I've, I've got the egg. No, I've got at myself the and at you. No, and it's Stanley Tucci like calling you that. God. Well, not that he does, I've <laughs> manifested that. Um, how are you? I am, I'm doing well. She's a bit of a worn out woman this week, but in a very, yeah. um, very happy to have lots of things to do kind of way. But I think it's far more interesting, Luce, to talk about how you are in your week because I'm very excited to hear how a certain interview went. Well, first of all, I feel like it's more often than not that we get on the mic and say, we're a worn-out woman this week. Like, we're always, we are always worn out. This week, I'm not feeling worn out, which is really good. And my interview, I was just saying to Laura, like, I'm going to be so embarrassed if, like, this the reception to this interview isn't the same energy as... um, the way I felt during the interview because so I interviewed the boys um, from the summer I turned pretty. I interviewed Gavin who plays Jeremiah and Chris who plays Conrad and we only had five minutes which was like my perfect amount of time. We just chatted, Gavin called me adorable, we had oh. so much chemistry and then we I wasn't looking at the chat thing and it got to like the end of the five minutes and it was like, Lucy, you need to rap, you need to rap, like stop. And I was like, oh my God, guys, I need to rap. And so it's really cute, we've edited it all for TikTok and so um, please go and have a look and if honestly, if you don't think there's chemistry there, do not comment because right now I'm living in like, <laughs> she, She's not ready to hear it. She, I'm not. I'm so not ready to hear it. Wait, how do you how do you define chemistry? How do you feel like there was chemistry? Like they really relaxed into it. At the start, it was like I'm Lucy from shit you should care about and blah blah blah. And then they really after we were chatting for a while, because I asked them um, first, what question are you sick of being asked? And second, what do you wish someone would ask you? And that was when they were just like Oh, like, that's so nice. It's, like, really... And so I'm going to start every interview I do from now on with them. That's copyrighted. Everyone should, should care about. No one steal it. Um, <laughs> and and I don't know. Then there was just, like, really good banter. And obviously I was editing the video, so I was watching the ways that they were looking at me the whole time. And they were just smiley. Like, I don't think it was, like, sexual chemistry, but there was just good banter, you know? I feel like you could have chemistry with a literal brick. <laughs> like... <laughs> No, I'm sorry. (laughs) You kill me. We have great chemistry. We've had great chemistry from the moment we met. We've always had, but that's because you could literally have chemistry with a brick. Like, (laughs) you were, 
exude chemistry. Can you imagine? I'm a seven. Can you, no, you're not. You're an eight. Get out of here. Oh, I'm an eight. <laughs> That's why I need you. A seven could have a chemistry with a brick, but you genuinely roll up to a room wearing like something fuchsia and like. <laughs> and boom, with a big, everyone's just. But I think also the other strength of you, don't, don't know why I'm gassing you up this morning, but the other strength yeah. is that I feel like you don't, because you run shit you should care about. And you have full autonomy. You're never going to yes. do an interview that you don't want to do, that you're not prepped yes. for, that you haven't like both hand chosen, but also like gone after and gotten yourself. Yeah. Everything you do, you want to do it. And therefore you will have chemistry with whoever you're speaking to unless they are awful. <laughs> and I think because there's no questions we have to ask, like we're not trying to hit any KPIs or anything. This was just... Maybe, maybe we should. Yeah, maybe we should set some KPIs <laughs> where on Culture Vulture, first KPI actually should be that we have to do housekeeping, which no. already Luce has not done. Um, <laughs> and all I have to say on the housekeeping note is please like and review and subscribe to Culture Vulture. <laughs> Please come, like, follow our TikTok. TikTok's actually pretty fun. Um, the newsletter, very important. The newsletter is very important. Shit you should cook about, very important. Shit you should read about. Shit you should cook about, huge. Shit you should read about is our book club. And this week, this month, although I could read this book in a week, uh, is Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, which uh, is one of my favourite books of the year. And paying supporters are part of the book club. Belle did a uh, podcast interview with Curtis Sittenfeld, who read, who read, she probably read it too, who wrote Romantic Comedy, our last week's book club. It's very good. Paying subscribers get access to all that good shit. It's just really fun and cute and wholesome. Um, So there's the housekeeping. Please do all of that. And then, so Laura, I feel like what described my week was probably that I was just riding the high from that interview, plus I spent all day on Sunday editing it. So that kind of did take up my week. Mm. What describes yours? I think my week probably, not to go back on the worn out woman comment from earlier, but I think my week is probably described as chaos in a very fun way. I think there's been a lot going on from all all ends at the moment that like every aspect of life is kind of like dialed up a tiny bit, but I think also kind of fun and time for summer that it's all, you know, it's all good. It's all good, but it's a lot at the moment. We've got just in time. I feel like if you listen last week, um, I was saying I was starting to feel a bit of a tinge of homesickness because we've been away from New Zealand Mm. for a year now, which is a very long time to not see, friends and family and it's timed very perfectly because my best friend Tess is arriving tomorrow which is going to be fabulous and then we've got a whole bunch of family rolling through town and it's all going to be very wonderful so it's going to be wonderful and it's going to be exhausting because we're allowed to think those two exist at once especially when family come that it's like the most it's like fun to show them around and show them all the new and exciting shit that's part of your life now, but it can be so – you just want them to have the best time ever so that they think that you're having the best time ever. And I know. And it's just exhausting. That is so true. And I think it will be fun because this time last year when we moved here, my friend Tess literally arrived like a week after we got here and we had like – we had like a mattress on the floor that was yeah. ours and then she was also on the floor. And now we'll be able to show we actually have like little spots and everyone remembers <laughs> yeah. the fishmongers we love and their yes. dog. 
And yeah, it's going to be very, very cute. But it also, I mean, we were just talking about this off mic loose, but I feel like we're both kind of people who we don't do things by halves. We're kind no. of all at once. And that is probably why I'm a bit lost for words is what describes yeah. my week. It's all at once. No, I love it. And and now, should we care about that? Yes, we should. Yes, should we should. We I love this segment. <laughs> should we care about these stories that I am about to tell you? I don't know. We'll decide. Um, first, first, should we care? Should we care that we're in this weird era of everyone throwing shit at celebrities on stage? Oh, I'm so glad you brought this up. So I saw that Adele just today, um, during one of her shows on the weekend, said, um, have you noticed how people are, like, forgetting fucking show etiquette at the moment? People just throwing shit on stage. Have you seen them? I fucking dare you, dare you to throw something at me and I'll fucking kill you. She like, and she was joking around, but I just thought, wait for context. Wasn't she also holding like a t-shirt yes, gun at the time? Yes, wielding a like t-shirt. <laughs> I gun. love that. So I think she was like, I can shoot shit at you. Don't you dare throw something back at me on stage. Um, and then just to run through a few more, we had Pink. Someone threw their mother's ashes on stage to her and handed her a wheel of brie. She was happy with the brie. I'm not sure how the brie made it. It was huge. I'm not sure how it made it in there. Was this at different times? No, I think this was the same show. That's a shit you should cook about. Um, There's something in that. There's something in that. That could go up on an Instagram somewhere. Um, Also, Kelsey Ballerini was hit with a bracelet in the eye. BB Rexa was hit with a phone. And the man that threw the phone was actually arrested um, because apparently he said at a party later that he hit her because he thought it would be funny. Ava Max was slapped on stage. Harry Styles was hit in the eye with some Skittles, I think, like a wee while ago. And and so honestly, this is just out the fucking gate. This is this so is insane. It, like it's not new, right, to be throwing like your bra on stage or like a teddy bear. It's, I was just going to say the bra thing. Yeah. Like I feel like that's like a tale as old as time, but felt, felt more harmless. Maybe it's not. Yeah. Maybe it's also bad. Not that I've done it. <laughs> To be clear. I just think we do care about this because these people, and we talk about this all the time, like they're literally doing their job. They're giving us a service. They're giving us a gift a lot of the time to be there performing for us. And then they do not deserve to be literally abused by someone or something. It's like, it's one of those things where like one person ruins it for everyone. It's like, do we want to start living in a world where you go to gigs and there's like a plastic screen? Like around the stage because, but honestly, it's like that the whole point we go to gigs is the proximity to the artist. And if people are starting to abuse that and their safety is jeopardized, like that's where that goes. The point of going is to be able to get as close as you possibly could and ever will. And do we want to ruin that? So do we hear about this, Laura? Yeah, massively. Do we have a solution? No. No, except for people just sort of get their shit together, we become normal again. What what do you what do you gain from throwing something like? No. I just where's the line? So like you take a sign, that's okay. Yeah. Throw a bra, is that okay? I don't know. Throwing a bra seems like sort of tongue in cheek. It's kind of like back to the old days, rock and roll, whatever. I get that for historical reasons. <laughs> I think She's here for the tradition of it, everyone. She's the traditionalist. I've never done it and I never would, mostly because I need a bra or else I'm jumping around and my <laughs> knockers are hitting me in the face. Uh, I 
Oh, I've never called them knockers before. I felt like I honestly I felt just like, gagged I when felt you like said Georgia knock- from um, Angus Songs and Perfect. Angus Songs and Perfect Snogging. <laughs> Pop me in an olive suit. Send me down the road. I'm done. <laughs> Okay, my next one. Um, Olivia Rodrigo released her new song, Vampire. I care about this purely because it's a fucking bop and I get really worried about people that take a big break. Yeah. Which is fair enough, as we're going to talk about um, Mm. later on. Have you listened to it? I actually haven't, but I do care about this. And for every reason you've just described as well, I'm really interested to dig in okay well it's a fucking bop and i just thought we should give a shout out because she took this massive hiatus and i was kind of like what are you doing and now i'm like that that's what she was doing Mm. my next thing so i care about that and you maybe will when you listen my next thing is and i don't know if you watched these people when you were younger but they're my comfort people zoe and alfie are having another baby no i saw you post about this and i the context is lost on me so i'm gonna need a little refresher oh my god did you never watch zoella Oh, so what is, wait, what's the age difference between me and you, Luce? It's only like two years, isn't it? How old are you? 28. I'm 25. So, yeah. Okay, three years. Three years. Guys, you lose a lot in three years. You do. So this was like the YouTube, real YouTube era. And Alfie Days was a YouTuber. Zoe Sugg was a YouTuber. And they just, they fell in love. They've been together for ages and now they have kids and they're just really comforting people for anyone that grew up with them. They haven't gone off and gotten cancelled. They haven't gone fucking posted a ukulele video of them apologising for something. Like they very much are just so cute. They're having another baby and I really care about it. And you don't? I think I care about, no, I, I care about the sentiment. Yeah. And I'm very happy for them. What I'm also really interested in is this concept of comfort people. And I feel yes. like if... Everyone make a mental note, another podcast, another week, comfort, comfort people, because people. I love that. that. Can you give me another one? Who's another comfort person for you? Another comfort person. I feel like Chris Olsen on TikTok. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's kind of a comfort person because he's just so cute. Do you have a comfort person? Is, can Stanley Tucci be my comfort oh, person and my, and my crush? Every day of the week. Harry Styles okay, is low-key another comfort person because he's very, I don't know, media-ready. That's Like, he's just, he's not going to fuck you over, I feel. I'm making a mental note of comfort people right yes, now. Yes, that's a really good topic. So, everyone, you're hearing this show be put together live on the mic. <laughs> this but- is as far as planning goes around yeah. here. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com spoken today. But Laura, we do have a very, um, a topic that I'm excited to dive into with you specifically because this is your area of actual study and expertise. But we're going to be talking about mental health and musicians and the tortured artist trope and why we shouldn't need or want all our favourite artists to be tortured to create their art. This very much came out of Lewis Capaldi and what he did at Glastonbury and sort of the statement he just released, which I am going to read out to you just for a little bit of context. Lewis Capaldi has... um, 
Tourette's syndrome and he's been suffering with a lot of sort of anxiety and, you know, when you get really exhausted and all your symptoms of whatever you're going through get worse and get harder to manage. I feel like he's been dealing with those symptoms. And so he took a break before Glastonbury, came back, performed Glastonbury, but didn't feel like he was doing it justice for himself or for the crowd. And so said he was going to go back on a break afterwards. And this is what he said. First of all, thank you to Glastonbury for having me, for singing along when I needed it, and for all the amazing messages afterwards. It really does mean the world. The fact that this probably won't come as a surprise doesn't make it any easier to write, but I'm very sorry to let you know that I'm going to be taking a break from touring for the foreseeable future. I used to be able to enjoy every second of shows like this and I'd hoped weeks away would sort me out. But the truth is I'm still learning to adjust to the impact of my Tourette's and on Saturday it became obvious that I need to spend much more time getting my mental and physical health in order so I can keep doing everything I love for a long time to come. I know I'm incredibly fortunate to be able to take some time out when others can't and I'd like to thank my amazing family, friends, team, medical professionals and all of you who've been so supportive every step of the way through the good times and even more so during this past year when I've needed it more than ever. And then he just went on to say he'll be back as soon as he can um, but all my love always, Lewis. And it's not the first time that we've seen celebrities decide to really openly take a break from touring, specifically after the pandemic, I think, mm. when they realised, oh, like, yeah, this is a huge part of my job, but it's kind of a part of my job that impacts me in a way I'm not prepared for, maybe. So just to run through a few more, we obviously had Justin Bieber and Shawn Mendes cancel their tours. We had people like Wet Leg and Zayn Malik Ellie Goulding, actually Peach PRC, who you may or may not know, but she's a singer from Australia who's become quite big on TikTok. She recently went on TikTok and she was crying and she was talking about Glastonbury and how she goes on stage and she performs, but she doesn't feel as good as any of the artists around her, around her because she hasn't had the mm. practice and it makes her feel like shit when she comes off stage because she sort of got big during the pandemic, never had that live come up and then like love songwriting, love singing, but feels like the performing really fucks her up. And so there's all these artists right now that are just being really open, um, sort of in the way that Simone Biles came out and said she was taking back from gymnastics for similar reasons. I just feel like there's a real mm. good, not good that they're suffering, but a good um, theme of them opening up. And all of us listening. Well, there's a good rhetoric going on right now, right? Yeah. A hundred. And just on that imposter syndrome note, I feel like what you said about Peach PRC, and we've done an episode on imposter syndrome, everyone, so yeah. circle back. But that is such – it just shows you that no matter what level you reach of success in whatever, like, field you're in, that's something – you know, it, it affects everyone. Yes. Like, no matter what. Yes. And like, you know, we did it, we spoke a lot about this and whether we agree with the term imposter syndrome or not, whether we think it's a real thing or a societal construction, all these things, but like the idea that everyone else around you has got it and yes. you haven't got it is something that no matter where you are, it can really, really affect you. And I think that's something we really forget a lot of the time with artists. Yes, because we see the final version a lot of the time, except for social media, mm -hmm. I think, is breaking that a little bit and we're seeing more of the behind the scenes. But for us to see the final version of a product or a song or a piece of art and then assume that it's going to be like that when we see it live is also just an expectation that we need to drop. But 
Laura, I know that you are literally our go-to girl for these type of things. I know you've written about it. I know you've studied it. I know it's like your deep passion and love to protect artists and to talk about things like this. So where do we want to begin? Oh, there's yeah, there is a lot. And as a warning, I think we will have to split this into two unofficial parts yes. because there is, I could talk about this for days, um, but I have mentioned it a few times before. I am... I am very, very, very passionate around um, promoting like artist well-being, industry-wide well-being, um, particularly for musicians and creatives, kind of across the whole spectrum. Um, it was something I became really passionate about when working in the music industry. I went away and did some study um, and did a year-long research project looking at the idea of the suffering artist and kind of starting very, very much a starting point, but starting to develop some like psychotherapeutic ways and things that might eventually help people one day um and so there is a whole bunch of stuff that and it's very interesting like when you're in something and I think I did that in I did it in 2020 so obviously a big year Mm. um and like at the time I was so in it but I'm also very much a crammer so I will procrastinate until the last minute like it was a year-long research project but in the last week I mean we did 80%. Like, we really, she wrote. Yeah. <laughs> and so I will cram and so much information, I just completely forget. And then I was going, I've been going through my notes because I've really wanted to do this for a while and there's so much I want to include. And I was like, goodness, there's a lot in there. So for that reason, this will be like just scraping the surface, but I think it's so pertinent to talk about it this week in light of those comments loose from Lewis Capaldi. And like, I had you know, the video of him speaking and the crowd singing sent to me by so many people. Um, And I think it's something that even if you're not completely across this kind of area of the industry, I think it's something that's becoming more and more pertinent and more and more people are talking about it for the reasons you've kind of stated. So just to kind of kick things off there, I think we all can see that across the entire music industry, musicians and artists are suffering in great numbers and are in very much need of help and healing. Um, But there have been, I mean, so many studies done on this. One was by an organization called Help Musicians UK. They helped fund a research project. And I'm going to be referencing that a lot today because it was one of the largest studies ever done um, on the music industry where they actually interviewed musicians And the results were quite amazing. It was by um, these two authors called Gross and Musgrave, who I'm going to actually link in the show notes for anyone who's interested. Um, They did a book called Can Music Make You Sick? And if you're interested in this area, I really recommend it. Um, But a lot of these studies showed that in the UK alone, out of 2,000 musicians, 71.1% of respondents suffered from high levels of anxiety, 68% reported suffering at some point from depression. A study in Victoria, Australia found that entertainment industry workers were 10 times more likely than the general population to suffer from anxiety. In New Zealand, um, Music Helps, which is another amazing organization, conducted a community wellbeing survey. Um, that showed that rates of depression were over two times higher than that of the general population from musicians, over 40% reported poor mental health, and were three times more likely to indicate positively for problematic alcohol consumption, which I think when you hear it all like that, I know, I don't know, I hear stats and my brain switches off, but you kind of, I think the general person has, you know, knowledge that this is a real issue. And I was just going to say, I, and this is not a very optimistic take, but I wouldn't be surprised if that 
especially the rate of musicians with anxiety, I wouldn't be surprised if that is sort of skyrocketing more and more as social media means that you are no longer just allowed to be a musician. Your whole past is going to get dug into. You are going to get cancelled for the tiniest thing that you said that has nothing to do with your art and maybe you said it as a kid on in your digital pr- footprints hanging around like I it, it has no longer become just about oh I'm anxious that you know I've written the song and it's really not good or it's really not landing or it's not going to chart it's like I'm anxious that none of this discourse is anymore about my art it's about me as a character or as a person that can be torn down and so Hearing those stats is just – and knowing that I don't think – it'd be nice to be like, oh, yeah, since that's done, I'm sure things have gotten better. Like, I'm just sure that it needs a bit – well, a lot more. Well, a hundred – I mean, since that's those stats were done, all those, you know, research projects were done, we've suffered a global pandemic, like, the interruptions that that's had to touring, let alone, like, both economically and also just mentally, the cost that that's involved. Like, there's so many things. Obviously, we've seen, like – a, you know, shift in like socials and how those are used. There's so many pressures that I think have been added since probably those <laughs> research bits were even done. Yes. Um, but one thing I wanted to kind of chat through, because I would love to hear your take on this. I know what mine is. Um, this idea of the tortured artist. So you enter yes. this a little bit. This is Laura's, this is one of the favorite things Laura has ever spoken to me about. Really? I think you spoke to me and love about this on one of our first ever um, coffees. And it really changed my perspective, but let's talk about it. Okay, well, I'm going to read this. This is a quote from the research that I mentioned earlier, and it says, The relationship between art and madness has a long history entangled with ideas of morality, religion, sexuality, pleasure, power, and control. The association is so familiar within the general imagination that questions pertaining to artists and their mental health are frequently dismissed as natural characteristics, as if there is a biological explanation for an artistic personality and already discovered genetic code. It seems they were climatized to accept and even expect that musicians must battle or be tortured in some way. The best music comes from the heart, from the inside, joy and pain. Honestly, it's the expectation that came from, I don't know, I don't know where it came from, but I feel like I think back to the 27 Club and how we're like, oh, the greatest art was made from these people that didn't make it past 27 and they were so damaged and so tortured and, and you know, at least they have a legacy. And I'm like, no, um, if they got to the age of 40, they would still have a fucking legacy and, you know, like that'd be, I just, it, I just think as someone that loved like when you know the tumblr era and loved the dark music and the like inject this into my veins music like this making me feel so shit and I'm reveling in it and then growing up and being like oh my god they must have been going through some fucked up shit to write that I was going through some fucked up shit to listen to it like neither of us should be here we shouldn't expect that of artists so uh that's that's my take (laughs) I mean yeah it's so so interesting and I think there's many different ways you can look at this because I think like you hear those stats and it's like you know in some ways artists and musicians and like poor mental health or anxiety or depression these things seem to be quite prevalent within this like group of people right and so one take is to go okay well it's because they're inherently tortured there is Mm. something about you that when you're an artist or there's this other kind of thread which is 
you know, they feel more, they feel emotions more easily. They can go to a place where these emotions and maybe there's truth in that. I mean, maybe, you know, we all have different personalities. We all have different ways that we work and we all have different strengths. And some of us feel more than others. Some of us have empathy and some of us like Stanley Tucci light, you know, it's the absolute (laughs) like last strength. Um, And some of us can't relate to other people's feelings. Some of us actually can't feel anything, and that's... (laughs) That's a problem. And that's a problem for me to talk about off mic. But I think, you know, there's different things. But the idea, and this is something I'm very passionate about, the idea that you can only create from a place of pain, I truly believe is not the case. And I think that it is a massive and very damaging... um, I'm not going to say lie, because I don't think anyone's necessarily like behind it but I think it's something that a lot of us buy into and like that quote you know kind of suggests society buys into this idea that you can only get get a really great work of art from a place of pain and what's more than that you can only get a great piece of art when you're currently in pain Mm. because I think some incredible both works of art music anything and also just like personal growth come from hardship and come from oh. times. Sorry, I feel like I've gotten really deep it's all of a phoenixing. sudden. No, it's it's, it's phoenixing. Talk about it all the time. Yeah, exactly. And so there's definitely like so much of that. I truly believe. Like you, um, there's this quote that I love, and it talks about when you go through hardship, it's like the veil is lifted and you see things as they are for a moment. And I really truly believe that some incredible things and very much like good things can come from hardship. What I don't, and what I really push back against a lot of the time, is this idea that you have to be in pain or keep yourself in pain to produce good works because that tells people that they can they're only successful they only can create something Mm. good when they're in a place of poor health and even subliminally that's going to keep that person in a place of poor health that's kind of I think what I've spoken to you about before Luz is that on the same lines I feel like it was so long ago now yeah that is that's exactly what you spoke to me about in that cafe years ago and I agree and I think there's it's not surprising that um we think this because of course creatives and artists like that's their way of getting through things they make art so then and then they put it out for the world and then we see it whereas you know if you're a runner and you're feeling these or you're going through something really hard and you're going through it you go for a long run you run a marathon or something and the world doesn't see it and then expect you to always be feeling like shit to run a marathon and so it's just I feel like it I was gonna say it's not a hot take but I actually think it is something that's just worth looking deeper into is has this artist being, have they created this and put it out while they're in a place of like turmoil or have they sort of sat on it, reflected and been in a really good place when they put it out and then when they have to go and do the promo and stuff like there's all this admin shit as well that I'm like, should we be expecting someone that's just released the biggest heartbreak album of their entire lives to then promote that while they're still in it? Like, no. You were, you were talking about something before and you didn't use the word perspective, but you did say the veil is lifted. And I'm like, I feel like even people like Dolly Alderton, they wrote their book, you know, Everything I Know About Love. She wrote that. And then a few years later, she was like, I regret putting so much of myself in, you know, those stories. And it's because, like, if you haven't given yourself a little bit of time to get through it and you just feel like you have to get it out and then you have to give it to everyone, 
it's just, it's not setting yourself up for success. It's setting yourself up to be like, holy fuck, I didn't have time to reflect and now everyone expects me to write like that all the time or feel like that all the time. And like you were saying before, it's just, it's not something we should ask of them or want from them. Well, this is, and I think as well, like, part of the reason I think we have this idea of, like, the tortured artist, the suffering artist is because one way that a lot of people work through grief is through narrative therapy, right? Talking about things, writing things down, and creating music and bringing something out from your pain is a very, like, healthy way to cope with grief and to cope with trauma and to do all these things. I think the flip side of that is... I could write a song and no one will ever hear it. And I can promise you no one would ever hear it if I wrote a song. But, <laughs> but, but someone, you know, else can write a song and then, like you say, release it to the world and open themselves up to a world of critique, a world of affirmation, a world of who knows what. Yeah. And there's a flip side to that. And I think it's a very worthy way to process things. And I think some incredible things come from this place and I'm not in any way saying that that's not real or justified. What I think I really want to expand our like thinking around is this idea that you have to be tortured to create art because I think that some of the most beautiful music and beautiful books and things that I've enjoyed have come from people who are in a very good place. Mm-hmm. And they might be reflecting on something yes. that happened to them years earlier when they're finally in a place where they can actually talk about it and not be triggered or yes. not, you know, have negative emotions that stop them from getting on with their daily life. And I really think that the idea that we can only get beauty from pain is something that isn't true. I agree. And that's why it's so refreshing and interesting to start to see these artists doing things like cancelling their tours so that they're not, you know, doing their thing while they're tortured and they're not having to show people that you have to push through. And this is interesting because there is a little bit of discourse that is like a lot of smaller artists and, you know, independent artists and things like that don't feel like they have the luxury of putting things on hold so then we need to put things in place that make it easy to do your job it is their job while they're going through things like we have I don't know we have counseling in our workplaces that you can get because you have to keep doing your job but you have to get your mind right to be able to do it and obviously it's a privilege as Lewis Capaldi said to be able to just put things on hold and go and work on yourself um but either way, it's a really, it's refreshing to see the snowball effect mm. of musicians. Mm. I think, that. and there's another, this is something I really want to talk about today. Um, and this quote, I think, is a nice intro to it. It's again from that study, and it was, this is a direct quote that they got from one of the musicians that they interviewed. If I send a song to someone and they don't get back to me, I can have hours and hours of self-doubt and panic, the fear of people not liking what you do. I have moments where it's less crippling, but there are times where I just have massive self-doubt self-doubt, and think, what am I even doing? Who am I kidding? You swing between these two extremes of extreme confidence to extreme despair. And this and I think this is so unique to artists. And again, when I say artists, I'm not just talking about musicians. I'm talking about anyone in any kind of creative yes. field because I think it's pertinent across the board. But this idea that you basically have – you swing on this – you live on a pendulum of intense self-affirmation where you have to believe in yourself to make it. 
an intense self-criticism where both if you're creating art you have to be so critical of what you're putting out there but equally other people can be incredibly critical of what you're doing and that can create major self-doubt and figuring out how you live I'm holding up my hands for those of you who can't see but figuring out where you live between those two pendulums is exhausting like absolutely exhausting Liv and I this is funny and I don't want to make this about me but I'm about to Liv and I spoke about this on the last mental health podcast we did a little bit and it was um sort of about the self-affirmation and self-doubt but also about the audience validation you get from shows and then coming off stage and really not being able to regulate those two things and we talked about how I when I go and do events because no one knows who I am and that's how we like it when I do events it's like whoa 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 love you like love your work blah 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 blah. then you go off stage and I'm just always a bit fucked up afterwards because I'm like I don't know how to just go back and do a normal thing after all those people have gassed me up like that and I'm actually just normal but they're you know being really nice and kind and lately I've been doing quite a few speaking events and like Ruby and I we talk to each other about this all the time and we got to like the last of four or five or something and I was like thank god there are no more because after the last one I did I had to spend a day figuring out like how to be normal again and I often have to spend a bit of time figuring out how to like regulate like even Mm. that a small speaking event can like put you out of whack and so I can't imagine being an artist having like millions of people hundreds of thousands of people like cheering for you, loving you, coming off stage, your life's normal, you have to go to the dentist, your mum's sick, your blah, blah, blah. Like I just don't know how – well, it's not a normal thing to go through actually. It's not normal. No, no. And this is – I mean we kind of spoke about this before. It's like no matter what level you kind of are operating at in your relative field and whatever success looks like to you in that area, I think this like paradigm of – like the two extremes exists no matter where you are on it because on one hand like no one's gonna care more about your career than you so you have to believe in yourself but equally and I think particularly with artists you're you're creating something intrinsically linked to your identity if we're back you know talking about what we were before you're creating something intrinsically linked to who you are to your experience of this life and then you're opening it up to the public for their opinions for their critique you're putting yourself at risk for more grief doubt like and you have to be liked for it to work you can't have the whole like well if no one likes me I don't care because like I like me and I like this thing you can to a degree but for you know you are selling a product so that you can continue to make your art and so if it's not liked it's like doubly bad because not only is it something that you've created and you're really proud of and it's so linked to your identity like you were saying but also your career kind of rides on it well I think also what is becoming more and more apparent and we talked about this a bit last week with the Kardashians actually but this idea that you you know as fans we have access to someone's life and this idea that like the more relatable someone is the more that they share with us the more we feel we know them the more Mm. all these things and I think we that kind of door is wider open than it's ever been before and so when you open that door you also open up the door to all these things we're talking about critique all these other things and I think the challenge now 
is figuring out the correct balance between like a lot of artists and creatives who want to be genuine and want to have a genuine connection with their fans and the people that they love, but also need to protect themselves. Does that look like getting off social media? Does that look like touching grass every now and then? Does that look like believing in your art no matter what? And saying, I don't care what anyone thinks. Does it look? And there's so many different ways that you could go about that. And it's so interesting how every convo we have all comes back to the what, as a consumer, as a fan, like are we owed and what aren't we owed? And obviously we're, own, we're owed anything we sort of pay for, you know, like we, that's, a, that's a direct transfer. But, you know, the things like social media and, and if they were really hurting because of the time they spent on social media and then they went off, one, it's harder for them to promote their shit. But two, fans are often like, well, I did all of this for you and now you're not even coming to talk to us here. And it's just such a hard and fucked thing to have to negotiate within yourself probably as an, as an artist that just needs to do all these things at once just to be able to make the work that they want to make. Mm, mm, yeah. Ugh. There's, I think, and again, we said at the start, this could go on forever. And yes. I think we have to, we have to wrap it there or we could talk about this forever. But I think other things, just other extra for experts, food for thought. Um, <laughs> I haven't heard extra for experts since primary. Can you tell that I literally went to like a, what do they call it? A gate program? Yes, I did that too. And yeah, of course. You're, you're as gifted and talented as they come, Lucy. We went to gifted and talented education. It was like a little program that you do for like an hour a week or two hours a week or something. That is such, oh, anyway, extra for experts. We've got all gifted and talented people listening to this, so they deserve it. Exactly. Well, the extra for experts is like the idea of touring, the kind of pressures that that can bring on someone, which we've discussed kind of earlier. But equally, I think like anything that a normal person struggles with, anything, um, attachment theory, we've talked about this before on the podcast, you know, this idea that your first familiar relationship, your first romantic relationship can affect both how you attach to other people and see the world. Um, your personality, all these things that normal people struggle with and have to work through, artists have to as well. And I yes. think it's really important to remember that. And also, but equally, that all these things um, that can help other people and can help normal people can also help artists, but also like sometimes what they experience is really nuanced. And so if you are a creative and you're listening to this, um, which I feel like a lot of our community are super creative, like... yes. If you are, you know, seeking out advice, if you're seeking out a therapist, all these things, and someone isn't working for you, or you want to find someone who like understands what you're going through, like do try put in the effort to find that person who understands it. Because Mm -hmm. I think it's quite exhausting to have to explain to someone um, the creative world that you live in, who doesn't quite get it and might, you know, put one, I don't know modality or one way of working on you that doesn't actually suit you I agree with that because as we're saying you know these are all universal experiences we all have highs and lows we all blah 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 blah. it can be quite singular you know especially if you're you're in the position of being someone that shares your work and and is then sort of at the mercy not just at your own thoughts and feelings but at other people's being levied back at you so I think and that's kind of across the board when you're seeking a therapist finding one that understands you what you've been through and yeah isn't just going to try and apply the like standard way of dealing with something to someone that's maybe 
especially with artists facing a not standard life. 100% and equally very aware that like even being able to go to therapy, depending on where you live, like I know in some places certain sessions can be funded and in a lot of industries you can sometimes get access, but it's such a privilege and not something that everyone can access. So I'm also going to link at the end of this pod, just some of the resources that I've pulled like across the years and different things that can be accessed, particularly by musicians and people kind of across the music industry, because there is actually far more than you think. And there are a lot of services there that are free to use. Love that this turned into just like, and if you want to get therapy, it's like some extra for experts, (laughs) go and get therapy. And the double extra for experts, Laura, is what is on your radar? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me this tonight, which, you know, I It's fine. Some weeks I don't have any. She's a worn-out woman. I do have one. I do have one. And it is, um, which I think we need to talk about another time. We've talked about doing this, about not everything needs a reboot. But I have been watching And Just Like That, the Sex and the City reboot. Oh, so has Belle. So has Belle. You two are such twin flames. Oh, we really are. I feel like now that I've been to New York as an adult, I should watch Sex and the City more. I'm sorry. Have you never watched it? I think I've watched season one. I've watched all the movies. What's on your radar, Liz? On my radar is I'm reading Red, White and Royal Blue because I may be interviewing the two stars of the movie that's coming out, but that is um, unconfirmed. So Culture Vulture listeners, don't be disappointed if it doesn't happen, but decided, holy fuck, um, because I really want to see the movie. I'm seeing heaps of stuff on TikTok about it, but I really want to read the book. And I started it last night. I'm already halfway through it. It's like, I love it because it's that cringe sort of fan fiction-y writing, but it's just something that you don't think too deep about. And then you, and then it's like so easy to gobble up. Have you read it or heard about it? No, but now I'm thinking I need to. No, it's like, don't read it for good writing. Read it for like good vibes good feelings which I like to do a lot and then also I'm doing this thing right now where I've run out of podcasts and music and shit to listen to so I'm going through the Rolling Stones top 100 albums um and so on my radar is just whatever album number I think I'm up to 92 is there's been some that I've loved um there's some really good REM stuff that I've been listening to oh my god me and Rupert literally did this on a camper van trip we, we did this exact, we got through all of them. Oh, my God. I, well, I'm really enjoying it. Some I have to skip. I have to say Metallica and the Stooges, not for me. Like, I, I listen know. to half of them, and then I'm like, okay, I've listened to it enough. So I'm still not forcing myself to do things I don't enjoy, but going through that's been really good. So that's that's me. Um, and with that, Laura, I think, I think you might be seeing people um, in the newsletter as usual on Fridays, shit you should cook about. Oh, yes. And this week, everyone, we've got, we don't, I actually don't know what we've got this week, but it's a surprise. Oh, I love for, well, for you and for me. Maybe it's food, or maybe it's you doing a little write up about the tortured artist, or maybe the perfect meal to give a tortured artist. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's a cup of love. Um, it's a hug. <laughs> it's a hug. <laughs> only, only if you're asked to hug them. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, people know that we're nice. We would try. Um, and. <laughs> Other than that, thank you to Ruby who's going to edit all of this very soon. Oh thank gosh, you. always thank you to Ruby. Thank you to the listeners. Thank you to anyone that's part of the book club, a close friend, reads the newsletter, supports us in any way. We fucking love you and you we know love what? you. Go and watch my interviews on TikTok, will ya? Bye. Tutler of this chemistry. Bye. <laughs> ah! 
the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.